And then the next pair of shoes I got, you know, probably came in with laces, and I was like, man, kind of sucker closure system is this? This is unnecessary. Uh-huh. Total waste of time. All right, everybody. How you living? No putts given. We're back. Tony, you're back. I'm back. Tony's I'm back. back. We There were no death threats. Nobody tried to fire Tony. He's just... He's back. He just got the the one week to upgrade. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll see about that. I am excited, Tony, because we're going to talk about why laces are for suckers, and not just in the general sense, but in a more specific data driven sense. And we see players switching equipment all the time. Is it a good thing? What are some of the best and worst equipment switches of all time, and how can we help you know the average day to day golfer make a better decision in terms of maybe what they should play so um yeah well let's get into it boa laces are for suckers where'd you come up with that why why did you come up with late and it's true laces are for suckers but it just just seemed obvious like like what happened i think i'd I'd have to go back and and really think it through to figure out what my first pair of boa shoes was Hmm. and then and then, so I got the Boas, whatever they were. Might have been like the first Pro SL, so it hasn't been like a hundred years or anything. But I got my first pair of Boas, and I was like, "Yeah, this, this is, this is really good. This is, this is better." And then the next pair of shoes I got, you know, probably came in with laces, and I was like, "Man, kind of sucker closure system is this? This is unnecessary. Uh-huh. Total waste of time." Yeah, and you see, I mean, we see Boa. For people, and it's like right the little twisty dial, twist, twist, twist. There are some companies, G4, Puma, have their own version of that. It's not Boa. It's funny. I was down at Boa, and I'll talk more about this in a minute. But they said they get a tremendous number of warranty requests. People trying to send back like their Puma <laughs> shoes and G4 shoes, like, hey, the system doesn't work, and they're like, right, it's not our system, so. You know, I've never, I, I'll be brutally honest, like, I obviously, big Boa fan, but I've used disc and never had any issues, and so, like, it's, you know, Boa's good, but but ultimately, it's it's more of an anti-lace position. <laughs> Pro Boa or anti-lace, which one are you? Yeah, if I had, uh, I'd lean, I lean more anti-lace, having tried Boa. What's the advantage? Like, we'll get to, like, performance stuff, because I, I, I want to talk about that, because I went, like I said, went down and visited Boa and have some things for people to think about, but for you... What is the advantage? Yeah, for me, I two things, right? I like that it's it's super easy. Like it's it's fun to joke about laces, but really, like you can put on your boa shoes like slippers. I'm notorious, and I, I can't give you a good reason why I do it, but I habitually go to the golf course. Like I'll drive to the golf course with my shoes untied mm-hmm. or not fully secured with boa, as the case may be, and then I'll hop out and then I'll tie my shoes, which again is stupid. Um, no practical reason for that, but in terms of just being faster right. and, and less time once I get to the course, like definitely Boa is, is faster. Um, again, the, the micro adjustability of it all. And yeah, there are some legitimate complaints where sometimes they come a little loose over the course of a round and you have to reach down and give them a click or two. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a long round on a on a hot day, like your feet swell, so it's nice to be able to, to kind of loosen them up and, and on other times tighten them up if you need to. Um, that, that aspect of it is is just easier. And, and I find, too, as the system has evolved, you get more of a, I'd call it like a balanced tightening, mm-hmm. whereas laces, you kind of get, you know, in, in tightening your shoe, you're trying to 
gonna tend to get that pull closer to where you actually tie the knot where where bow is more of an even securing of your foot into your shoe kind of thing i guess so you know those are the advantages the disadvantages what do people yeah i was gonna say people there's a lot of haters out there a lot of people drinking the hater aid a lot of people not in love with the boa calling you lazy calling you a lot of other things. I think, I think probably a lot of guys see it as a, a solution in search of a problem. Like laces have worked just fine for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and outhouses were awesome and, until indoor plumbing came along. And you know, there's there's <laughs> countless examples. And so wood fired uh, stove. If, if you tie yeah, your shoes, yeah. you cook dinner on a, a wood fire stove. Probably still have a, a landline in your house, too, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. What do I need to. And I was like that. I'm like, why do I need the internet on my phone? Like, that's dumb. And now I'm like, why wouldn't I have the internet on my phone? I'm, I'm not a sucker. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. you know, landlines are for suckers. Landlines are for suckers. So. Do you, uh, at your guys' house, Tony, do you guys light candles for, for light in the evening or do you just flip on a switch? No, I've got switches for that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. All right. So, it's it's interesting, right? You get people that are anti boa because they see it as like, come on, really? Well, you can't take on, the four also... seconds to 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 tie your shoes. What are you, you know, you lazy, you know, son of I a bitch. Why to. can't you? But I mean, like, legitimately, come on. It costs thirty dollars more, sometimes forty dollars more mm-hmm. in the case of Adidas with the the uh, Footjoy Tour Alpha Dual Boa which uh, I'm very interested in trying that that's one where like Footjoy hits you with $30 per boa. So that's a, that's uh-huh. a $60 upcharge. And so it's like, Hey, you know, like you're really going to have to, you're going to have to prove to me that this is now better. All right. Cause you're taking a, a golf shoe. That's already, I mean, that's, that's not a cheap shoe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not an Innocent's best value kind of shoe. No, it and is then not. you're, you're adding 60 bucks above and beyond the cost of that. So I, right. I get that piece of it where people just don't want to pay more for stuff. So like let that. me ask you this question. So from a performance standpoint, there's two parts here, two questions. One is, you know, can we legitimately make an argument to see shoes as more equipment than apparel? And secondly, what would that shoe have to do for you? Like where where could a shoe make a compelling case to you that it is performance? We talk about golf balls. They can we can quantify that, right? In terms of performance. We can look at, you know, driver heads and CT measurements and say, yes, this one does produce x amount more ball speed than that one boom we can quantify it what about shoes what would a shoe have to do for you to go hey you know i'll spend 60 dollars more on that pair of shoes if it can do what well i mean we we use gauges to quantify things in ball lab and we use launch monitors to quantify things in in just about everything else we do and in the the kind of you know, I don't know that it should be exclusively kind of a footwear thing, but in that that movement and and kind of that type of space, you have force plates and things like that, pressure mats. So, you know, if you can show me something in the data, whether again it's it's something on a map that says, hey, we're we're seeing more efficient transfer of weight or something like that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or you can show me on a launch monitor, hey, you know, if if you've got the boa shoe compared to the exact same non boa shoe, you're you're gaining X amount of miles per hour, or you're hitting it straighter, or whatever that metric turns out to be, right? Because it, mm-hmm. it can be very difficult to, to choose a single metric necessarily. But if you can show me on some type of quantifiable measurement system <laughs> that this is 
this is providing me benefit, then then you can make the argument for spending more yeah. money above and beyond the the fact that it's convenient, in my opinion, typically a little more comfortable. Okay. So, all right. So think about this too, is we are in that era of small improvements, marginal improvements, right? Where if you've, if you're dialed in on your equipment, whatever the case is, the next version of that piece of equipment likely isn't going to be leaps and bounds better than the previous version, right? We talk about marginal improvements, tweaks, modifications, and people will willingly spend five, $600 on a driver for a yard, two yards, maybe three yards. And that's a distance conversation, well, right? Yes and no, right? It's, it's, in some cases, it's reality because if you, you have a driver and it, it's not a good fit for you, you can you can pick up significantly more by moving yep. into a driver that is a good fit for you. But yep. you know, ultimately, we've talked to Ping, and, and hopefully we'll have one of the, the guys from Ping here on at some point in the not-too-distant future to talk about this kind of thing. But you know, Ping, I think, is a great example in that space where like, like if we can make just a few things in the design 1% better – like it's that's a real improvement. That's a huge yeah, improvement. It, that that's that's what we're going for. We're not we're not going to promise ten yard ten more yards. We're not even going to try to find ten more yards because that's that's a waste of time. But if we can make a handful of things a little bit better, right? That's progress. And so ultimately, right? If so, can a shoe be part of that? Right. So so I think it gets should be to that. It's, so I went down to Boa. Boa is headquartered near me in Denver, Colorado. It started as a company really for outdoor. the The guy that started it was a snowboarder. And was I don't do that. And, <laughs> no, neither do I. He was basically the snow. so pissed off at the frustration level, right? So many, so many solutions are born out of frustration, right? Where it's like there's gotta be a better way. Long story short, replaces laces, has has different kind of closure systems. And a couple of years ago, um, Boa did something similar to what you've done with Ball Lab or what we've done uh, collectively as, as as a team, and you've spearheaded Ball Lab. They have a BOA Fit Lab, and they have these PhD scientists, people down basically in this lab, trying to do exactly what we're asking them to do, which is, okay, that's great. Maybe it looks nicer. I I personally think it fits better. I like the way that it fits, but that's not going to sell a lot of golf shoes, right? There has to be a performance. So can they quantify and say – Without a doubt that this BOA performance closure system is better than a laced version because it does A, B, C, and D better. That's the entire goal of this lab. And and part of what they're doing is they have, you know, they're spread out across a lot of different sports. So they have trail running stuff. So they have like labs set up where I don't I don't do that. No, me neither. I I <laughs> When I walked in there, I saw a treadmill and a trail to run on. I'm like, oh, shit. This is – I think I'm in the wrong spot. I I think – I will, uh, uh, I will <laughs> gingerly trail walk around a treadmill. I set up for the wrong tour. Yeah, exactly. But then they did – then they're like, oh, okay, golf parts over here. And they have a couple trackman bays, really, really highly sensitive force plates. And so they have testers coming through, et cetera. But – they are starting to be able to quantify what is the actual difference purely from a performance standpoint. And what I found most interesting is in their initial studies, and they're they're just maybe 10% of the way into this, right? Like you just start running tests. You don't know what you don't know. But what would you guess they found, Tony? What do you think their number one key finding was 
the first time as they got enough data, they finally said, okay, we can publish a paper that says Boa does blank. What's your best guess? It makes lasers for suckers. (laughs) That is item number one. Item number two, they're not making distance claims. Really? Yes. Interesting. But what they are making, two claims uh, that they're going to make, one is efficiency, which translates to accuracy. So they don't have enough data to support and say, hey, we think you'll hit the ball X percent further. You're going to hit it just as far, but you're going to hit it that distance more often. Now, that may translate to a longer total average or something over time, but they're more interested in looking at consistency of performance over time as opposed to like a single unique peak performance attribute. That's good. That's that's reasonable. Right? Reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. So it's really cool. We'll see, right? Well, we'll see. I mean, I think, I think to me, what's most intriguing about it is one, you know, can we get people to, is there enough evidence to support the idea that shoes are performance in addition to apparel? But just as much, you know, if there's technology in a putter, technology in a driver, there's just as much technology in a shoe. Um, will people resonate with that? And then secondly, what can actually be proven that that, you know, we could then take and test with readers or people or um, to once and for all, you know, definitively show evidence that leases are for suckers. Leases are for suckers. Yeah. No, yes. Yeah. It's not just what Tony thinks. It's, it's an undeniable scientific fact. To be, to be seen, I guess, when the other 90% of the data comes in. Yeah. But that, that would be over the summer and stuff and over the next couple of years. And I'll keep popping down there and, and maybe... Uh, if you're ever out in Colorado. Till then, enjoy the simplicity with the acknowledgement that, yeah, for some people, the cost is is more than they want to take on. And, and you know, uh, and sometimes you end up with... Right? You're limited yeah, in color. I mean, it is limited. There's not every colorway It's limited. Available. Shame on manufacturers for limiting colorways, limiting wide size availability. And then the other piece of it is... And again, I think this speaks to the advancement of BOA and, and moving from from, hey, how do we just replicate a shoelace with a cord to actually technologically advanced closure systems, you do get some funky looking designs that not everybody loves. Right. Right. So there are limitations, not saying it's perfect, not saying it's, it's the answer, but I think, yes, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one, a fun one to watch. So Tony, what's the worst equipment decision you've ever made in your life? Um, I think, I think buying golf clubs ever. Like <laughs> if I just, uh, yeah, yeah, just picking up a golf club <laughs> in, in hindsight, just kind of looking at where that is. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty bad decision. Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, played an SLDR for a year. That's uh, hindsight. Maybe cost me some. A lot of some, forgiveness. Some scores. <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't I played. Have- uh, I put, I played Miura CB five hundred one, so tiny little cavity backs. Yeah, uh, that was you know again, but that's. I think everybody when they and they're kind of still relatively new to the game kind of goes through this phase of you know what I'm yeah. going to play these obviously unforgiving clubs because they'll they'll turn me into a better ball striker. Mm-hmm. It just yeah doesn't work. Amateurs, we have a different relationship than than where I want to go with this in terms of of some of the professionals. Like you and I don't have the issue of someone saying hey. 
Tony, we will pay you $3 million a year to play this golf ball. And by the way, your livelihood, right, you're going to play in, in competitive environments. You and I don't have that issue, right? But professional golfers do. And watching some golf for the last couple of weeks, some conversations going out there, it kind of got me thinking a little bit around, I want to give you some names and equipment decisions, and I want you to rank them on a scale of 1 to 10. Okay, 10 being it is 100% absolutely the equipment's fault that this player's performance has changed or suffered. And a one being absolutely inconsequential. Every other factor in play is responsible for their change in performance, not the equipment. So that's a one. That's a 10. We're going to start with this. Ricky Fowler switching from Titleist to TaylorMade for the golf ball specific what do you give it one to ten i think this is solidly at least an eight i think if you and and look we you kind of hinted at right there's a there's a million things that go on above and beyond the equipment with hey sometimes swings just change sometimes life gets in the way golf's hard i've always felt like like golfers are a lot like elite relief pitchers where like just one day like they don't have the stuff anymore, right? David Duvall was like that. And so like the, the Mariana Rivera's, the Tiger Woods, these guys that can just do it at this extremely high level for a long time, like, you know, that, that's rare. And so, you know, sometimes golfers just kind of run into a wall and, and don't come back. But in terms of this, like, and, and it's not a knock on TaylorMade and saying, Hey, it's a bad golf ball. You know, I think there's, there's a mountain of evidence that shows that. You know, you can succeed as a professional golfer playing a TP5, right? Um, a lot that, of guys have. Some issue, guys but, have anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But in Ricky's case, you you take going to – I think he's what? He's in a TP5X, right? I believe so. Um, and and that's – I mean, that's still a relatively – at best, it's kind of a you know, mid-high, mid-spin ball mm-hmm. through most of the bag. And, and, and he was a left Ricky dot Ricky was guy. a left dot. Ricky was a left dot guy. And so what you saw – So how much of a difference you – know, he, he won out of the gate, which was crazy. Right. But but you are talking about a golf ball that is wildly different. I'm sure Taylor made has probably tried to do some things to you know, try and, and make something custom for him. But if you look at kind of the permutations of, of what happened in terms of like not only just you – can, you can point to, to a spot on the calendar and start to look at the decline. But right. then you see things like – and again, right, we've gone through different instructors. There are other things taking place here. But if you look at things like, you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many, how many different iron shafts Cobra has, has built irons for him with. It's just trying different things, trying to effectively offset the, the performance attributes of the golf ball and, and get him back to where he was. And again, lots of other stuff going on, but that's one where you – Man, you just from a, as, as mu- almost as much as a golf ball can be within a legitimate tour space, like that's that's moving from an apple to an orange. That's and I think that's yeah, the huge. That's dramatic. That's yeah. That's a dramatic one. Yeah, huge. But again, it's not a knock on TaylorMade. It's not saying hey, you know, the Titleist makes a, a better golf ball for everybody. It's just like this. There's was not a one ball really that's com- better for all, Tony. That, that's <laughs> there is not. Okay, but this was to me kind of a, a really kind of severe change within the golf ball space. I mean, that was it was aggressive. All right, difference. here's your second one: Patrick Reed and PXG drivers. Zero, zero. You no, put, you put again, nothing and, on. And this is one where you look at you can point to oh his distance is down and he's struggling. 
But then if you go back and kind of look at the historical data, his distance was in decline before he made that deal. He was already signs of the struggle were already there. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't see any bit of a correlation above and beyond a talking point. And he switched back this last week at Memorial. I think he's, he's bounced around, I guess is the point. He hasn't been like, Hey, playing this particular type or style of driver forever. And then made a switch. So uh, not much there. Yeah, I don't think so. All right. I think again, I think you just look at the data and say, hey, this the, the struggles were already sort of beginning to happen with the driver, and it just made everybody probably pay a little closer attention. But, you know, look at the data. Yeah. Pre-PXG, it's all there. There was one year Bubba Watson switched from Titleist golf balls to Volvic golf balls, and then he ended up switching back. That one year, performance declined noticeably how much do you put on the golf ball in that one that one's that one's probably again right in that eight or nine kind of that that ricky range again. i give it an you're, 11 yeah i mean you're again you're moving from not only a a proven commodity in this case where you know titleist has a tour pedigree that volvic doesn't right i mean that's that's hard to argue right and then just kind of i think you know, Vol- at the time, right, Volvic had the yellow ball, and Bubba thought that was cool and initially didn't think he could see much of a difference. And then, you know, with a with a year's worth of experience, I guess, it was it was pretty clear. So that was – yeah, that, that's another case where I think – and it's – you know, I think in general, the ball – I was kind of thinking about this morning. I was in ball lab just kind of measuring balls, and my mind wanders when I'm doing that because it's repetitive. I'm thinking in terms of – the the complexity of of golf equipment from a design perspective, I think the ball is probably the single most complex piece of, of equipment there is. When you, you get into the chemistry and the various layers and how they work together and then the aerodynamics package, which is almost entirely separate, but still has to work with the launch and spin characteristics, man, it it's a lot. And so you could see the case, you know, if you're kind of locked in on one specification, especially if you are an elite player like Bubba or Ricky, and you, you move to something that is fundamentally a different specification, it's not an easy adjustment no. because it, it literally affects Everything. every other club in your bag. I mean, to a degree, even the, even the putter with kind of the feel coming off in some cases, but sure. but certainly that's going to affect the performance of your driver, your irons, certainly your wedges. And so, I mean, that's a... Especially if you you move from something that is is not really that similar to what you were playing, is that what happened? So, so, you know, three, four, five years ago, Brooks Kepka right goes out, and we I think we may talk about this with Mizuno guys when they come on on later too. But you know, basically designed a an iron for him that he never. I mean, he had ended up playing obviously, but not entering a contractual agreement around, but this was the Brooks Kepka iron. He goes on to win multiple majors, right? Multiple. It looked events. like he was going to win them. Like at least every U S open. It, like that was just, yeah. And he was, he was really, really dialed in, right? Obviously he's playing, playing super well. He signs a full bag deal with Strixon and this includes the ball. I think he's playing the, the Z star, right? Um, the diamond, the diamond, basically made for Brooksy, from what we can tell. And where's he been? So this is another case where, again, I don't. There's a lot going on. Obviously, you, you never know all the nuance. But this is one again where, if you kind of go back and and look at it, you know, and I and I had actually 
talked to Lou Stagner a little bit about it. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the ball. Because I'm always worried about the ball. Sure. That, is again, that your first go-to? That's one. It is because it's a little thing that, again, like, you know, what, what the average guy perceives as no difference at the tour level is is a significant difference. So you talk uh-huh. about Bubba, right, with a high launch relatively high spin pro v1x to a low launch excessively high spinning volvic like that's that's going to have an implication and so when brooks made the jump to the ball like this tricks on stuff holds up like i I felt pretty confident in that no especially when you talk about capabilities of fitting tour players and things like that Mm -hmm. but this is another case where if you go back and kind of look at the data there was already some suggestion that you know i don't want to say declining but you know sort of was not performing at the same level he was when he was winning u.s open so this is a case where yeah maybe it's a factor it's the equipment is always a factor to some degree but i'm not sure it was as significant a factor again more of a kind of a patrick reed situation where so what are you what are you going to give this one one to ten four four five somewhere in them yeah my other thought with that too is you know I think it depends to what manufacturers you're switching from. Like you said, a big switch. And I think this is a place amateurs, people like you and I can think through this stuff too, is like if you're really dialed in with a certain style or type of equipment, how much of that, how much of a switch is it, right? Going from Mizuno, the JPX forged, right? Going from the Tour forged head to a Strixon uh, ZX series, isn't a huge switch. We're talking minimal offset, player's cavity back, designs. A really good iron to a really good iron. You're going from a really, really good iron. Yeah, you're going from a, a Mizuno Chuo forged iron to uh, an Endo forged Strixon iron. I think they're both phenomenal products, and Strixon probably doesn't get enough enough credit in that space. So I don't see the equipment. Be- and then you match up the shafts. Hey, here's the shaft I'm with. Here's my specs. Lawfly, da, 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 da. I would think getting like fairway wood and driver dialed in might be more of a challenge in that. And I don't know, you know, Brooks was historically right, largely tailor-made guy. Um, how much of a difference is that moving to, to Strixon in that particular club? That's why I would put it somewhere in that middle spot. I wouldn't rank it as like a zero or a one. I'd put it more in that four or five range probably. Yeah, that's reasonable. And again, like the the ball to me, that's always going to be you know kind of where I'm looking at. And we don't have we haven't had a chance to to test the Z Star Diamond on a robot and just kind of understand what the mm-hmm. what the launch and spin characteristics of that ball are relative to the to the Pro V One X. But yeah. you know, again, I would I would imagine that recipe is going to be tailored to Brooks in much the same way in a little different scenario, but where you know Mizuno was like, yeah, what do we what do we think? this guy would, would want out of an iron. Let's make it and see if we can get him to play it. And that's – so I think, think, I think it's going to be – apparently. Yeah, so I think that will be relatively well-suited to him. So, yeah, I think, you know, four, mm-hmm. maybe three, four. That's me. You say four or five probably. But yeah. that's certainly in that middle range. This is a weird one, all right? And and I'll, I want to get your take on this, obviously. But Justin Rose and Hanma. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like this is, it's almost unfortunate for for Honmo, which barely exists in the North American market now after after having Justin Rose. But I mean, let's be honest. Like he won, he won a major, mm-hmm. and you know that's no small thing. But but then what? And kind of disappeared a little bit. Signed the Honma deal, disappeared some more, 
re basically re-engage with Taylor made, I believe. And, you know, he's, he's right where he was when he signed the home deal effectively. So like, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, one of the, one of the R and D guys I talk to every now and again, you know, sometimes he's like, you know, sometimes it is the equipment. He's like, but, but at this level, sometimes it's not the equipment, right? It's, it's that between the ears kind of thing. And I think, I think that's what you're seeing with Justin Rose. And unfortunately it's one of those things that just looked really bad for Honma, but I think, yeah. I give this one like I mean, a, they 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 were irons they made from for him based on something that was kind of already made for him, right? And so like it's hey, like that we gave ended you up what looking you wanted. an awful lot like irons he then was playing with tailor made, not very yeah. so long it's like hey, we, we gave you exactly what you wanted, and it right. it didn't work out. So you know, so what should an amateur check with the golfer? Morgan Stanley guys? I don't know. <laughs> What should an amateur golfer take from this? Because again, pros these pros are basically weighing money and, and oftentimes pretty significant sums of money to change or play different equipment as opposed to what they are. How does this impact you and me and you know Joe Joe three putt? Right? Nobody is nobody is paying you to pay their equipment. No, their equipment, and so there's. There's fundamentally no reason why you shouldn't play what works best for you, right. and that that seems like an obvious statement. But yeah, and and part of that comes through fitting. So you know, I'll make the I'll make the case for fitting as I as I like to do and haven't done in a while. And that's you know, that I know say hey, just get fit and and trust you know find a good fitter and trust him to to find what's going to work best for you, and then you know try and stick with it for a little while. And that's you know that's a very hypocritical statement coming from me, but that's <laughs> that's kind of the nature of our job is I have to to an extent play around with all the stuff sure but you know sure yeah i think i think that too is that we as much as people say they're not influenced by certain things they are you know consumers are dumb in in that regard like i was out playing last last week and guys playing with i made like three putts in a row that were of decent length he's like oh let me see that putter oh yeah i like this oh this feels good right and it's like this guy Really, really smart guy, retired. I think I think he was a physician doctor of some type. And right now he's investigating a study, basically whether or not he should buy a new putter based on a sample size of three putts by me. And he's going to make some grand <laughs> determination. Like, could, would you walk into a doctor's office and be like, oh, man. You know that guy just snatched that guy's liver out. Let's. Uh, that, that looks like a nice knife. Can I borrow that real quick? Like, uh, you know. So like, I'll tell you. Like I was playing. Like I played the. I played the TSI four for a good bit of last year. Uh huh. You know, before getting fit into the TSI three, I just you know, I probably knew that the TSI three was going to be the better one for me. I just didn't have the right combination of parts laying around to make it work. So yeah. I was hitting the TSI four really well hitting it straight, hitting it a long way. And I was out, I think it's like the only round I played with my buddy, Jeff. And he's we're on the 17th hole. And he's like, you know, we both hit drives and whatever. Mine was pretty good. And he's like, Hey, can I try that? So he tees up the TSI four, uh-huh. takes one swing, hits this massive high draw, you know, 17. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's up, he, he clears the hill. Goes over he's, the he's hill. Rolling. He's, he's rolling on the hill, which is not typically where he's going to be. He went out and bought one the next day. It was just like so. Hey, and Jeff's a smart I could get guy. Better, like Jeff's not yeah, one. Well, he's an he's an Ohio State fan, so you know, loosely, <laughs> you know, there's there's some wiggle room there. But um, yeah, like he he bought off one swing, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So 
patience, discipline, pay attention to those things. I guess the other thing for me is don't pay attention to what pros are playing. It makes no difference. Like the reasons they're doing certain things may be very basic. Like this company is paying me more to play a product that I know isn't as good a fit for me, but the cost outweighs whatever performance degradation there is, or I think I'm good enough to either overcome it or it's not that big of a deal. There's all these type of things going on in these contract negotiations that have zero bearing on the amateur game, right? You look at the, oh, this is what's in the bag for, you know, for Billy Horschel from this week. Great. That works for Billy. But even if it works for him, you have no idea why that works for him. You know, that combination of ingredients. And and my biggest thing would be if you're an amateur golfer, quit paying attention to what any pro is playing ever. I just want to look yeah, at it. Reasonable. I want to look at it. I, I want to say quit paying attention. Don't let that impact or become a, a, a criteria as to why you play what you play for you. Yeah. Because again, I mean, TaylorMade, Callaway, Titleist, pick a name. They're not paying you to play. No. All these guys are. No. Be you know, we'll your <laughs> own brand. Be your own brand. See what happens with the with the live tour. If guys start getting uh, dropped from their contracts, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll we'll see some equipment changes that are driven by actual performance. Wouldn't that be we'll something? See. Can you think? Last question, Tony. Can you think of anybody the exact opposite where they've made an equipment change and seen a significant improvement in performance that you would go, hmm? I I think I think you could point to. Just about all, if not all, of the PGA guys who moved out of Nike drivers and Nike golf balls when when Nike kind of went belly up on the equipment side of things. So, I mean that that's one where if you kind of look at the USGA distance insight reports and the charts, like you you see two kind of abnormal spikes in distance. The biggest one, obviously, being the when the Pro V one solid core ball hit, and the other yep. is you know when when the Nike guys swap drivers and you know the the tour average went up because of it and you know some of those guys picked up double digit gains moving out of vapor heads into to tailor maids and, and old titles and callaway maybe. yeah i mean just so that's yeah. i mean that's, that's think about how much that would the, have to change to move an entire average on tour that's a lot like i mean you got a, a dozen plus guys all hitting it you know somewhere between five and and 15 yards longer i mean that's it's obviously not you know it's not gonna shoot up like solid core does but right. you're like oh yeah there what happened there mm-hmm. nike happened or unhappened yeah i would think it's interesting to see when players switch putters um pieces of that that are maybe psychological like earlier this year scotty scheffler switched um prior to this run that he's been on and and if you talk to him or read any interviews with him, he just kind of wanted something that looked a little different. He wanted a fresher, clean look. Now, it's not a huge change from what he was using before. It's not like he did the Ricky where, you know, Ricky went from a you know Newport 2 style head to now he's, you know, experimented with a number of different mallet designs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's significant. Um, Adam Scott, 
I would throw his name in there. If you look at his strokes gained putting over the last 10 years, 10, 12 years, a lot of those numbers are negative for the whole season. There's a couple times in there, I think, you know, uh, 21 or 20 to 21, he was 18th on tour in strokes gained putting. Um, had a really good year thus far. I think this year through last week, he's like 34th in strokes gained putting on the PGA tour, which I don't think anybody would maybe pick that number. But, you know, you look at guys that had to deal with the anchor ban and effectively try to find a different way to putt. And in some cases, you know, to their benefit and some, you know, some cases, uh, not to their benefit, but, the putter one, it's always an interesting one for me to watch because some guys, you know, like DJ will switch like three times around, you know, like he may do that. And and Tiger will never switch, it seems. I mean, yeah, yeah he did experiment with a couple little things here and there, but, you well, know. He, he experimented shortly after Nike was one of the last sponsors not to drop him. So there's some... There's some, there's a working theory there, mm-hmm. right? Some negotiation into a, a method for a little bit, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and things happen, and that I mean, there's always right. That's that's part of the story with the the tour equipment contracts is the stuff that happens behind the scenes and the that piece of it that you just never really know for sure. No, so. is it a hundred percent performance driven, right? As opposed to what are what are some of those other factors that might be encouraging a player to you know play one particular club over another, something like that? But I don't know, Tony. I don't know what. Uh, What's one piece of equipment that you can almost guarantee will stay in your bag all year this year? You're not changing. Yeah, it's, uh, hmm. well, let's see. I mean, knowing timelines for releases, I can't commit to Metalwoods at this point. So, All right, so there's at least, wait, in your bag, Metalwoods, does that include hybrids? Are we talking like six, seven clubs now or like four or five clubs? So I actually, I only have, um, do I have, I only have none hybrids in the bag right now. Really? Which is weird. Yeah, I don't have any at okay. the moment because um, I ditched I ditched the five hybrid for a five iron when I started being able to hit a five iron. Okay, um, so that was good. Mm-hmm. And then the four hybrid fell out this year. Uh, it was kind of the seven wood kind of took its spot. Love that. Which is because it's 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 silly. I love like, it. Doesn't which it doesn't? Wood? It's a it's a TSI two. I love that. So it doesn't it doesn't move much left or right. It just wants to go straight, and so that's. I would hit that on number. I've talked about this before, yeah. right? If you if you have a club like I don't always hit a, a beautiful perfect shot, but I very rarely hit an awful shot. Like mm-hmm. that's like it's everything's generally pretty good, so that that works. So mm-hmm. high and straight works for the most part. So the seven woods in no hybrids, um, irons boy. Yeah, you know what I think. Um, the golf ball is not going to change, and I think, you know, as I wait for one more wedge, when that new wedge comes, that'll that'll be it for the year as well. I, so, I would agree. So everybody, stay be- tuned. Make sure you go out there in the interwebs, find us and follow us at Golf Spy T at Golf Spy C. This was one hundred and five. Only six more episodes until the big reveal, Tony. The big or not? No putts given. One eleven. It's going to get crazy. So stay <laughs> tuned, everybody. We out.